Captain Tug Mottram could almost feel the barometric pressure rising. The wind, which had roared for two days out of the northwest at around forty knots, was now suddenly increasing to fifty knots and more as it backed. The first snow flurries were already being blown across the heaving, rearing, lead-colored sea, and every forty seconds gigantic ocean swells a half-mile across surged up behind them. The wind and the mountainous, confused sea had moved from user-friendly to lethal in under fifteen minutes, as it often does in the fickle atmospherics of the Southern Ocean, especially along the howling outer corridor of the Roaring Forties, before which Cuddyhunk now ran crosswind gallantly toward the southeast. Tug Matram had ordered the ship battened down two days ago. All watertight doors were closed and clipped. Fan intakes were shut off. No one was permitted on the upper deck aft of the bridge. And now the captain gazed out ahead through snow which suddenly became sleet, slashing sideways across his already small horizon. The wipers on the big wheelhouse windows could cope, just. But astern the situation was deteriorating, as the huge seas from the northwest were made more menacing by the violent cross seas from the beam, and now seemed intent on hunting down and engulfing the 279-foot steel-hulled research ship from Woods Hole, Massachusetts. "'Decrease speed to twelve knots,' he said. "'We don't want to run even one knot faster than the sea, not with the rear-end design of this bastard.' "'You ever broached, sir?' asked the young navigation officer, Kit Behrens, his dark, handsome features set in a deep frown. "'Damn right, in a sea like this, going just too fast!' "'Christ, did the wave break right over you?' "'Sure did. Pooped her right out. About a million tons of green water crashed over the stern, buried the rear gun deck and the flight deck, and then flooded down the starboard side, swung us right around with the rudders clear out of the water. Next wave hit us amidships. I thought we were gone. "'Jesus!' What kind of a ship was it? U.S. Navy destroyer, Spruance, 8,000 tons. And yes, kid, I was driving her. Matter of fact, it makes me downright nervous even to think about it, 12 years later. Was it down here in the Antarctic, sir, like us? Uh-uh. We were in the Pacific, far south, but not this far. How the hell did she survive it? Oh, those Navy warships are unbelievably stable. She heeled right over, plowed forward, and came up again right away. Not like this, baby. She'll go straight to the bottom if we fuck it up. Jesus, said Kit Behrens, gazing with awe at the giant wall of water which now seemed to tower permanently above Cuddyhunk's highly vulnerable, low-slung aft section. We're just like a cork compared to a destroyer. What do we do? We just keep running. A couple of knots slower than the sea. Stay in tight control of the rudders. Keep them under. Hold her course. Stern on to the bigger swells. Look for shelter in the lee of the islands. Outside, the wind was gusting violently up to 70 knots as the deep low-pressure area sweeping eastward around the Antarctic continued to cause the day-long, almost friendly nor'wester to back around, first to the west and now in the last five minutes to the cold southwest. The sea was at once huge and confused, the prevailing ocean swells from the northwest colliding with the rising storm conditions from the southwest. The area of these fiercely rough seas was relatively small given the vastness of the southern ocean, but that was little comfort to Tug Mottram and his men as they climbed eighty-foot waves, because Cuddyhunk was right in the middle of it, and she was taking a serious pounding. 
The sleet changed back to snow, and within moments the gunnels on the starboard bow were gathering small white drifts. But they were only fleeting because the great sea kept hurling tons of frigid water onto the foredeck. In the split second it took for the ocean spray to fly against the forward bulkhead, it turned to ice, and Tug Matram, peering through the window, could see the tiny bright particles ricochet off the port side winch. He guessed the still air temperature on deck had dropped to about minus five degrees centigrade. With the wind chill of a force ten storm, the real temperature out there was probably fifteen below zero. Again, Cuddyhunk pitched slowly forward into the receding slope of a swell, and Tug could see Kit Barons in the doorway to the communications room, stating their precise position. Right now, 48 south, 67 east, heading southeast, just about 100 miles northwest Kerguelen Island. He watched his 23-year-old navigator, sensed his uneasiness, and muttered to no one in particular, This thing is built for a head, see. If we have a problem, it's right back there over the stern.' 